Are you afraid of the dark? It's embarrassing to admit, but I am, at least a little. I've traveled around the world, and I've done some things that some would call dangerous or even daring. And most of the time, I'm pretty brave. But then there are those times when I find myself alone at night, and I feel a need to leave on just one little light so that I can at least make out the shapes in the darkness surrounding me. Darkness, after all, in general, doesn't hide good things. Good things are hidden in boxes covered with wrapping paper or bows or hidden behind velvet curtains that someone pulls back with a great ta-da! Things that are hidden in the dark, though, tend not to say ta-da. They tend to go boo. As kids, we fear ghosts and monsters. But as we get older, it's the specter of age, illness, and death. Our own, or even worse, of people that mean so much to us. And this year, in particular, many of us have added fears. Black and brown people, Muslims and Jews, disabled folks, queer and trans folks, women, immigrants, labor leaders and organizers, scientists, people who are sick or are worried about becoming sick, and people who just love this planet and fear for its well-being. We find ourselves here, in this dark and cold time, waiting out the last days of what for many of us was a terrible year, and dreading the coming of a new year that will usher in new struggles and maybe even some terrible losses. For some of us, that feeling is made so much worse by having had already experienced a terrible loss, the loss of a job or an ability, a dream or a loved one. Some of us are reeling from the departure of beloved members of our church, or maybe it's not a single thing that leads us to despairing in the darkness. Maybe it's the daily, ongoing despair of racism or forms of oppression, depression, or crushing loneliness. And many of us find ourselves just wishing that we could find a light to show us the way out of all of this. Any light would do. It doesn't have to be the star of Bethlehem. On this day, December 18th, 77 years ago, Adolf Hitler sent Joseph Stalin a telegram on his 60th birthday, wishing him good health and a happy future for the people of the friendly Soviet Union. China and Japan were already in armed conflict. The Nazis had invaded Poland. 
Polish Jews had been ordered to wear Star of David armbands. Britain, its dominion and colonies had declared war on Germany, and the times were dark indeed. That Christmas in 1939, King George VI continued his father's tradition of making a special radio message to the British Empire. Now, as you might know, the king suffered from a significant speech impediment, but with the help of his speech therapist, he made it through the broadcast with barely a stammer. He began his speech by saying, A new year is at hand. We cannot tell what it will bring. If it brings peace, how thankful we shall all be. If it brings us continued struggle, we shall remain undaunted. And after a few more words of gratitude and encouragement, he ended his message by reading some lines from a then largely unknown poem by an obscure poet. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God, and that shall be better than light and safer than a known way. Now, this idea that we will find God in the darkness is an old idea. Back in the 4th century of the Common Era, Gregory of Nyssa wrote that God lives in what he called the luminous darkness, or the divine, dazzling darkness. Gregory used the story of Moses as an example. Moses' understanding of God is sparked, literally, when he sees the light of the burning bush. That understanding is deepened when God speaks to Moses from out of a cloud, where vision is obscured, but light persists. Now, according to Gregory, it's only when Moses climbs to the top of the mountain and is engulfed in total darkness that he actually sees God. Following in the tradition of Gregory, modern Orthodox Christian scholars have argued that darkness isn't emptiness but the ultimate fullness. It is the effect of an excess of light. We find this idea of God in the darkness in the Hebrew scriptures as well. In the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verses 11 and 12, we find this. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light for you. So returning to the poem that King George VI read at the gate of that fateful year of 1940, we can understand why the king asked his listeners to tread boldly into the darkness, knowing that they would be met with the hand of God. But... What if we don't actually believe in God? Or what if, at any rate, we don't believe in an interventionist God who is there in the shadows ready to help? 
What if we've already spent plenty of time in the shadows and never once found God waiting for us there? Can we, too, move boldly, even gladly, into that darkness? Because if not God, then what exactly waits for us there? Well, I would argue that what lives in the darkness What offers us something better than light and safer than a known way is other people. Think about it. Darkness is not emptiness. If anything, it is the effect of an excess of people. Broken-hearted people, oppressed people, terrified people, lonely people depressed people. The darkness is fairly teeming with them, with us. There isn't just a single hand waiting there for us in the darkness, but a virtually infinite number of them. Now, the time in my life when I was most intimate with darkness was a little over 20 years ago when I was going through a terrible divorce At one point, during a specially cold and very dark winter, I found out that my husband of seven years had been cheating on me for four of those years, and he was rejecting me for another woman who had children because he had suddenly figured out that he had always wanted children. Well, I was heartbroken, of course, but more than anything else, I was angry. I was furious at myself for being so ignorant. How could I not have seen what was going on? How could I have just given up my youth, my 20s, just like that? Did I hate myself that much? Oh, I hated myself that much. But here is where something comes into the picture that I still can't fully explain. Here is where grace enters. Because instead of retreating into my loneliness and despair, I decided to reach out to other people. I started calling people, many, many of them. I called my best friend from high school. I called friends from college. I called my fellow comparative literature graduate students, who were really good at analyzing my situation, by the way. I called my little brother. I called people I had once worked with, librarians and waitresses and salespeople. Some of those people were a little surprised to hear from me. They didn't know what to say. But most miraculously understood that they didn't need to say anything. They just needed to be present for me. They just needed to remind me that I was still Diana Davies, and I was still loved, and I still had a reason, a good reason, to be on this planet. And I am here today, and I'm who I am today, largely because of them.
I take some karmic comfort in knowing that on this day, on Joseph Stalin's birthday, we have welcomed into service a group of people, our Joys and Sorrows team, who have committed themselves to stepping boldly into the darkness with other people. This is not easy work. And yet, they have taken it on with courage and conviction. And it's my prayer that this group of people functions not as a solution, but as a start. May they serve as a model for all of us, reminding us that pastoral care is a duty to which every single one of us is called I'm also happy that on this day, the graduates of the Building Your Own Theology class delivered their credo statements, proving again through their words that this is a faith that encourages spiritual growth as well as a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. In their honor, I'd like to share with you briefly my own credo. I believe that to be fully human is to be called into the darkness. It is to be there in the darkness with a hand outstretched. It is to face the fear of not knowing what lurks in the shadows and still to be brave enough to keep that hand out there, reaching out into the unknown. I imagine that famous painting by Michelangelo, that fresco that graces the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, in which the hand of Adam is extended to the hand of God, except that it isn't flooded in light. Instead, we find one hand in the darkness reaching out, and love and in faith, trusting that it will find another hand. Whether that proves to be the hand of God or of another person who is likewise lost and alone in the darkness doesn't ultimately matter. What matters is that we are not alone. What matters is that we keep reaching out. But what if the hand I find is the hand of a person I disagree with? Or the hand is the hand of a person who I find kind of irritating? What if that person is too messy or too uptight or talks too much or doesn't talk enough or complains too much or is too controlling or too irresponsible or wants too much change or is a stick in the mud who never wants any change at all? Am I really expected to reach out to that person? To go boldly into the darkness with them? Well, what's the alternative? We can just stay here alone in the dark, waiting for the perfect light to appear. Or we can find in our imperfect companions the astonishing light of their own being. So as we find ourselves here at the gate of the year, I admit to you that I am afraid. Like that ancient psalmist, I worry, surely the darkness will cover me and the light around me become night. But I have faith 
that I will not be going into that darkness alone. I only have to reach out in courage to find another hand. Yours, yours, yours. We are all in this together, my friends. Together, we are the candle. We are the star. Let's just take a moment in silence. As with the rotation of our earth, night creeps across the face of the planet, so does mourning and loss move across time and space and people, leaving no one untouched. Into that nighttime sky, into the cool embrace of stars, we lift up our lamentations. We cry out for all those losses that we now name in our hearts. And in the stillness, a quiet voice answers back to us. Look, while your heart was still, the earth has kept spinning. And there, just at the horizon, is the glimmer of dawn. Amen, and blessed be.